the subject for today that I'd like us to think about is being narrowed down by God. Lovely subject. We all like being narrowed down. I've been a Christian of many years. I came to know the Lord in a real way, living way, when I was 18. And it's been a long journey. And um, I can only say the Lord's been gracious. And the older I get, the more I'm aware that he's gracious in how he deals with us. In fact, I don't actually know how I made it this far, right? I could tell you how I was saved, but you see, salvation is the easy bit. Scripture says salvation is of God. And you can give your testimony, and that's valid and good, but you don't really know how we did it. And of course, in the New Testament, we see many, many pictures. Jesus comes onto the scene between the old and the new. He's ushering in the new. That means the old is gone. The law is gone. And he's on the cross between two people. And those two people represent all of us. It's a picture. It's a snapshot. And guess what? There are no good people either side of Jesus. There are only people who are needy and sinners. And one of them can be any man or woman in the earth or any child who says, Lord, remember me when, I, when you come into your kingdom. There's no difference in their behavior. They've all fallen short of the glory of God. But one of them says, look, he doesn't even know much about Jesus. All he says, remember me. Look, this man has done nothing wrong, but we are worthy of the judgment we face. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Salvation is of God. He just called out on the Lord's name, and the Lord says, I've made provision for you. And you know, the way things start is the way they go on. In other words, that same relationship has to prevail, but it becomes our choice on an ongoing basis. And he says, I've made provision for you. I was um, just texting my sister. I was on a long train journey in the week, and I, I, I texted her. She's visiting my parents in London from Paris, and just about the Lord and things. And um, she said, sometimes I wish that I was already with the Lord. You know, it's just that some things are tough in her life. And you don't have to look far from your own circumstances, your own family, to see things that are tough, incredibly tough. But she knows the Lord's not granted that. She's not going to be in paradise today, but there's a calling upon our lives. And I'm, I'm, what I'm going to share a little bit about, and mustn't go over time, is that we have to be narrowed down by God because salvation is not the purpose of God. It's just the entry, the gate. Uh, the purposes of God are that we might be like him, that he might live his life through us, that we might be holy to his glory. Right, so I'm going to start here. And this can sound a bit threatening, you know, think, oh man, the gate is narrow, the way is narrow. But he, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But, there's always a but with God, because there's a provision with God. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few that find it. And you think, well, if you've come to know the Lord, you've come into salvation, then 
you've found the gate because Jesus is the gate, isn't he? He's the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's both the gate and he's the means by which we shall walk. Um, and I just want to, this bit is, is far too small, so I didn't really know how big it's going to be, so I'm going to just read it from my, um, my Bible for you. Just some sections from Romans. Paul says in Romans 3, For we have already charged that all both Jews and Greeks under sin, as it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, no, not even one. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But this is the good news. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, through the law and the pro- though, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. I won't read any more of that, it's, it's, it's quite lengthy. But there is a righteousness granted to us through Jesus Christ. I just want to talk a little bit about, um, let's see whether this were there, the narrow way, and I want to mention eight things. And I, I speak to you as someone who's been humbled because I've been walking the narrow way. And the Lord has been narrowing me down, and I haven't found it easy. But the thing, the Lord, where he does, leads to life. Because there's a gate through which coming, but this way leads to life. See, Jesus talks to the Sadducees who were, he says, you're greatly mistaken because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And he says, when, when in the resurrection we're neither married nor, but we're like the angels um, because we will be children of the resurrection. That's the day to come. That's the day my sister said, wouldn't it be good to be there then? Then you've got the day we started, which is the man who said, who knew that today he'll be in paradise, but we've got this journey. And we have to find him faithful. We have to find that divine life within us. And it doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen without cooperation. It doesn't happen without agreement. All right, so I'm talking to you with a few examples and a few scriptures, hopefully to help you. There's an interesting scripture, and it's a key scripture to doing his will. See, salvation, as I said, is the easy part. It wasn't easy for the Lord, but for us it was freely given. But in John 7, Jesus says this. Now, he's speaking in a context where people are constantly asking, the, the Jews and the teachers, you know, to have some proof. How do we know that what you're saying is true? How do we know all these things How can we be sure? And Jesus gives this one key. He says in John 7, 16, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether this teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking of my own accord. So the little caption there is, the person who wills to do his will will know. Now, that means there's a lock on Scripture. It means that if you do not want to will to do his will, 
there's going to be no revelation. There's a link between how much revelation you receive and your will to do his will. I mean, Herod wanted to see Jesus pretty badly, and he thought at the end, when Jesus was going to be taken to the cross, that this is my chance, and Jesus said nothing. Jesus will not cooperate. He will not pander to what we want to know. Because the law always wants to know. And it only wants to know because we want to know where our get-out is. What's the minimum we can do? But you see, the Lord's going to narrow us down because it matters to him that it's, it's his word that prevails. So this is the key that we're to will. And I had a, um, and this is a context really, I, I, I had a very difficult, we both did a more difficult time it was church-related, and I felt I ended up in a bit of a wilderness. When I say a bit of a wilderness, maybe 10 years. And you wouldn't have necessarily known it. You know, I still managed to go to work, although my wife sometimes says, Rob, I don't know, you know, because I'm a bit forgetful sometimes. She says, Rob, I don't know how you do your job. But they still employ me. But, but the thing is, I ended up in a wilderness. And it's not comfortable. And often it's not your choice. It's not because you've sinned. Do you realize that the good news, the preparation of the gospel is in the wilderness? John came into the wilderness. Do you know the wilderness is a great place where you start to hear God? But it never looks attractive from outside. And, you know, I thought to myself, well, I'm out of my ear now, and I've got less church responsibilities because of various things that happened. Which, by the way, everything is restored with the people we had problems with. And they had problems with me. It wasn't that I was completely right. All I'm saying is that I thought to myself, right, I've got more time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to really reuse this well to, you know, um, to get on with God. But somehow I didn't find that I was actually delivering what I was kind of hoping to do, that I was really going to walk well and read my Bible more and understand more. And I got a little bit worried that I'm not making progress. But you see, God was working in me so that my will started to agree with him in the wilderness. He didn't ask me to agree that um, I'm to go on a, a mission. He didn't ask me to agree to do anything great. I wasn't on a great job. I'm not a great... I'm one of you. I'm a brother and I'm old-ish, as my daughters say. And the thing is... I can weep over how slow I've been. When Jesus is on the road to Emmaus, uh, he doesn't say to those two disciples, oh, you, do you know, you're intellectually, you're a bit challenged. You haven't read the scripture. He says, oh, you who are slow of heart. My heart's been slow. But I am rejoiced because in my confirmation Bible, this was written in it from Philippians, that he who began a good work in you is able to complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. Do you know he's able? So slow Rob Patkai, he's able to bring him through, but not without trouble. I'm not talking about the trouble outside. I'm talking about the trouble he causes on my inside. You read through the Gospels and you see uh, nothing Jesus said makes sense. Really? Not if you look at it from the Old Testament perspective. He says, well, it's more difficult for a rich man to enter through uh, into, into the kingdom to be saved than, than to, to, um, for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. And even the disciples who weren't really hot on understanding said, well, 
How can anybody be saved? And his answer is, well, actually, if you're a bit poorer, it's a little bit easier. He says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. But you see, in this world, he's got to narrow me down until I say, Lord, I, I, I want to do your will. And I remember talking to a brother, and I said, you know, somehow, I don't know how it's happened, but as I've cooperated with the Lord in my heart, in the secret place, the place where nobody sees, I said, I feel, I, I, I sense that I'd be more willing to do his will than ever in my life before. And I hope that you who are younger will come into the way quicker than Rob standing here. Now, the second one is this business of loving him and obeying him. Um, in John 14, this is what he says. This is in John 14, um, in verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I'm skipping over to where Jesus continues. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come in and make our home with him. Now, do you realize, I'm just going to repeat this. He says, whoever has my commandments, now we're not talking about the Ten Commandments. In fact, do you realize the Ten Commandments are relevant? Absolutely relevant to the person who has the Spirit of God in them because it is written in their hearts. Jesus didn't wake up thinking, oh, there's Ten Commandments, I better make sure. I, 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 I. He, he was born of God. And we who are born of God have that life within us that says, Abba, Father, your will is good. But here, there's a link. It says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them or obeys them, he it is who loves me. And then he says, and anyone who loves me will keep my word. So he says the same thing the other way around. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you obey me, that will be demonstration that you love me. See, they're almost synonymous. They're not, but they're almost synonymous. One can't go with another if we're walking with the Lord. The interesting thing here is that Jesus says that if this is true, that we are obeying him and loving him, he says, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then he says, my father will love him and we will come and make our home with him. You see, when we come into obedience and love, we get to be able to receive the love of God in a personal, living, daily way. It troubles me, it's not wrong doctrinally, I'm not, no problem. It troubles me if there's a big, big emphasis on that the love's God, God's love never fails. Because God's love never fails, but the scripture's still true that there's a narrow way and a wide way. It's God can love me, but do you think the prodigal son's father wasn't looking out with love every day? But the son wasn't there. The son had no relationship in which he could receive the father's love. And scripture makes it very clear that if I obey and love him, 
I will know his love day by day. Do you mean there's something that we can have in the spirit, and the spirit rules the soul, not the other way around. If you look at the waviness of the sea in our lives at times, you have to conclude that the soul is in charge at times. In my, in my lovely 10-year journey, one day the Lord said to me, it wasn't an audible voice, he said to me, love me. I didn't know what to do with him. I, you know, you know, you know, this is the problem. You see, we've we got it up here. But unless it drops into my spirit, into my being, it isn't that it's unprofitable. And the Lord is able to make that which you heard 10 years ago, he's able to bring it back to you, and suddenly it's profit. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will come, and he will bring to your remembrance. The Lord is doing it to me so often, daily, thrilling my heart. But he said to me, love me. Now, I never heard anybody say that. It's testified that the Lord said to a Christian who's filled with the Spirit, who knows him, he says, love me. But I haven't got a great testimony of what a great Christian I have been. And I didn't really know what to do with that. I just said, I knew that if there's a command, if there's a whisper from him, you're able to do it, and it will bring life to you. It won't enhance your life, it will bring in his life. And Mr. Patkai here, I've been concerned in my younger days always of what God needs to do in me. I need to have an experience. What can I, you know, very self, very self-orientated. You can't walk with the Lord that way because he is not come to us as just the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It is a person. And let's put it this way. John the Baptist knew that I must decrease, that he might increase. So I just said to the Lord, I don't even know how. Do you see what I mean? How do you do that? I, I thought I always loved him. I can't suddenly come up with this great emotion to say, see, there's no emotion when you obey God. And I just said, I do love you, Lord. And I found in the days and weeks after that he's done something in my heart that I cannot explain. See, what we're saying is that we get to the point where we are alone with him. Remember the woman caught in adultery and, you know, the accusers come, you know the story, and then he looks up and says, where are your accusers? See, you might have accusers in your life. I know all about what it's like to be con condemned, like this, up and down. Don't you talk to my wife about it, she'll give you the full history, right? She says, no one, there's nobody, nobody here. And he says, neither do I condemn you. He's not come to condemn us. He's come to give us life. But there has to come that time when you are alone like that woman. Everybody's gone. There's no devil, there's no accuser, there's no condemnation. You're just with Jesus. And when you're just with Jesus, then everything else pales into significance. You can't be in his presence, just like that woman, without finding grace and mercy but he's also got things to deal with in your life. But you don't find them like condemnation. They are life. They're sweetness. But they're also difficult. I've had to weep many times. Hearing his voice, 
there was something a few weeks ago about Samuel, reference to Samuel. And you know when the voice of the Lord came to Samuel, he didn't know it was the Lord. You know, Eli uh, cottoned on after a while. And Eli's word to him is not just, oh, it's the Lord, so next time say yes, yeah. He said, yes, Lord, your servant hears. That's an interesting one. If you take it as a statement rather than his response, this is a truth. A servant hears. If you're not a servant, you don't hear. Now, I'm not saying God can't speak to you, because he does. He's merciful. But I'm talking about someone who's coming to servanthood, where his will matters. If you take the picture, analogy of a servant, a servant's ready to do the master. The servant's listening to what the master And the servant doesn't say, actually, I'm a bit busy. I've got lunch, but, you know, we can fit that in, I think. But a servant is attentive. And if I'm not prepared to be a servant, I will not hear. But God's gracious. My satnav's gracious with me. When I don't do what it says, this lovely woman's voice says, please turn around at the next thing, you know. And um, after the tenth time, when I don't want to go that way, she's still gracious with me. The difference is the satnav mind is not very sophisticated, doesn't realize that that road's blocked, so I'm going a different way for a reason that I know. But you see, with God, I don't know. I don't know. In fact, I can't know anything except by revelation, and it cannot be mine except by obedience and love. It doesn't become mine. It can be a doctrine. But you look at our tendency as human beings right through the Old Testament. They weren't worse than us. That's the dispensation they lived in. That's the teaching, the, the school, right, that Paul refers to, that it, it shows us up that of my own self, I, I cannot do anything except by revelation. Now, in my time, if the Lord is going to deal with you and with me, you will have to repent. And say, so, well, actually, I've been saved, I repented, I've, I've come through, pray, praise God. And you can quote all sorts of things, I'm seated in heavenly places, but in, when you're with Jesus, you might find you're not quite so seated. It doesn't mean there isn't a position he's provided that when I see him, I shall be like him, says the scriptures. He's gonna, we're going to be like him, and we will be with him forever. And there will be no tears. But here, it's a question of the measure in which I live in the provision he's given. And do you know one of the things I had to repent of? Is my attitude. The way I thought in my heart, and that's what matters. See, I had grievances against the Lord because I thought I should have developed more, I should, I should have bigger experiences. I can't even put a name on them. You I mean, it's not like a, a plan I had. But the, Lord, but the Lord comes and he will not have it. And I realized that my perspective, you see, you can look good on the outside. And it's not necessarily all sin, but, but, it, but there will be things that he'll point out. Say, no more of that. And you realize that my perspective was wrong. Because you're coming from an old covenant. We all come from death with no knowledge. We come into life with very little knowledge. A baby doesn't come into the world with a lot of knowledge. And then I've got to, I've got to have Christ formed 
in me. Paul says, I travail again until Christ is formed in you. You can be born, but not very well formed. And the Lord, I have to, and I have to weep. But it's a funny thing because it's a weep of sorrow and of joy because he is there. He's a physician. He's not an executioner. He took the bullet. And the other thing is, he doesn't allow Rob Patkai to live in regret. See, if I start living in regret and moping, he'll come on on that basis. He'll say, Rob, no more of that. Because we're moving on. Leave your sorrows with him. Leave the past with him. Just make sure it's him. I'll finish this, right? One day I was at the sink in the kitchen, and I walk around and I pray aloud. I'll tell you an interesting thing. If you pray aloud, it's difficult to say things. (laughs) Because it doesn't sound good if you're honest. If it's in your mind, it's all a bit blurred and it's all great. Right? Another one, for instance, you talk to someone about God, not too difficult. You talk to someone about Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't so easy. Anyway, the Lord said to me, it matters. It matters. You think, well, Rob, what are you on about? But to my heart, it made sense. I realized that there are things that matter to him, that he's now telling you it matters to me. And when he tells me it matters to him, then it's, it's going to matter to me. And there are going to be things that you cannot do, not because a law's come and said you can't watch that film. I don't want to debate about whether you think something's okay or not. I want, I want people to receive Jesus. I want you to walk with the Lord, and he'll show you what matters. And there are things now that matter to me, and I know it matters to him, and it's sweet. There are some things in, a, in, a, in a, some of the songs we sing. I'm not saying there's lots of error or anything. I won't sing it. Because there's a nuance to it that isn't, doesn't sit well with my spirit. There are things, and they're little things. And others might kind of say, well, you're a big, you know, why, why don't you do that? That's the loneliness of walking with him. But if it matters to him, oh, Lord, it should matter to him. The loneliness is part of the road. Do you know, this is a funny thing to say. I, I, know it's, I know, but it just shows you how slow I am. You're probably all ahead. Is uh, I realized how personal salvation is. See, because if you said, oh, salvation is just being from dead and now you're made alive, that's the, that's the, that's the salvation bit, starting bit. That's kind of easy. But I realized that it's a road. And each road is individual. And I realized I must cooperate. Daily, I must hear it. And if we walk with him, you will find that you have an open heaven. Austin Sparks uses this phrase about those that are, have the life of God with them. One of the signs will be that you're walking as if it were an open heaven. That God speaks to you, have revelation. And it's, revelation isn't given that, oh, look, t- let everybody know how clever you are. Revelation's for you and your relationship that you might know him, that you might please him. And I often at work, you know, I just sort of smile because something popped into my heart and I could sometimes cry, I could sometimes laugh. I just, I just kind of this a gimpish smile, you know. <laughs> one day I was in the, in the kitchen and one of them comes in, what are you smiling about? You look so happy. Now, I was just sitting there privately in the little corner of the little kitchen and I was in that kind of stuck. I said, well, 
It's Jesus. That's what I said. And, he, and the guy said something like, I wish if I had what you had. Well, he can. He doesn't know yet. Anyway, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Do you know what? His dealing with me in the wilderness has brought a rest. I haven't got an attitude problem. I'm not perfect, but I'm talking about just the pace at which the Lord is leading you. You will find there's rest. And you will find that you are in agreement with him. See, until he deals with you, you're actually in a lot of things not in agreement. Publicly, you'll say you are, but privately, you're not really happy. But Isaiah talks about being the planting of the Lord. See, a lot of us, and when I say us, I've been there, is you think, actually, the Lord is really good. But if only the situation was a bit different, you would be able to live a, a, a closer life with him. If only it was a bit different, you could serve him better. And what you realize when he brings you down, narrows you down, that I'm exactly where I should be. And in fact, there's no, no reason why I can't flourish and bear fruit a hundredfold because he says, I've ordained you that you might bear fruit. He didn't say, I've ordained you to bear fruit uh, if things get a bit bigger and the soil's a bit better. He's making the soil in you. He's working in you that you might bear fruit. And that's great because I'm going to tell you now, I am going to bear abundant fruit. And if you want to walk with him closely, you will. And I used to sort of think, well, I'm a bit arrogant. No, it's not. If he is the fruit bearer, he is the vine, and he's only said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit and that fruit will remain. So I know that however difficult the situations are, unless I've sinned and brought something upon myself, in which case there's a remedy. The blood of Jesus cleanses us of all unrighteousness. But if I've not sinned, then the difficulties come. It says, in this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble. Oh, Lord, yeah, actually, you're right. I've experienced that. Then I know that I can bear fruit. I can be at rest because I'm the planting of the Lord, and he's wiser than I am. And I'll just finish with this, because I've only gone over because I've been allowed a few minutes. Hebrews 10, and you'll know this well. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the household of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Let us draw near with confidence, because it's a living way. That means it's his spirit. 